0: Welcome to episode 154 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Phillip Slavin. How's it going, man?
1: JP, we have a win to talk about.
0: We we do have a win to talk about. It is a a good night. I could not be better right now. I'm still still on the high from the Super Bowl. Chiefs won. Parade was today. It was fantastic. It's just been a good all-around day.
1: Yeah, I figure you're pretty much on a high horse right now, just in, enjoying enjoying life.
0: Oh, you have no doubt about it, man. It's it's been it's been cool since Sunday, and I watched highlights, you know, Monday and yesterday, and it still just didn't feel real that the Chiefs actually did the thing. But I guess when you have Patrick LaVon Mahomes as your quarterback, you can feel pretty good about where you're at.
1: Yeah, no, that's understandable. That's understandable. But, dude we got we get to have hoops and it's not a loss like, I know OSU finally not only did they finally win a big 12 game they avoided like breaking the streak of consecutive like losses in, in conference play because good old good old cowboys right for free grandpa just kept bringing up all these stats and I'm I'm really happy that they I thought they would win this game I really did it made so much sense like, it, it never made sense that OSU lost this game in in Fort Worth. And even with everything that happened, no Lindy Waters ahead of the game. Chris Harris gets hurt during the game, doesn't come back in. Um, one of the Boone boys gets uh, banged up on the shoulder, but he plays some more. He play former walk-on D. Mitchell for significant minutes. And OSU, I mean, it got close for a little while, but they pulled away and, and, and really kind of won comfortably there at the end. I... Where the hell has this been?
0: Yeah, this is a team that has been so inconsistent in so many areas for all of conference play, it feels like. It seems like when it seems like they get the offense clicking, then the defense will fail. And then when they're playing lights out defense, they can't hit a shot. Tonight, it all seemed to work together. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the way Isaac likely played he was mm-hmm. awesome tonight, mm-hmm. 15 points, 11 rebounds. And the biggest thing that he did— No,
1: 11 assists, 15 points, 11 assists, and uh, 6 rebounds.
0: That's what I meant. Sorry about that. And But the, the biggest thing that he did tonight, not even on the stat sheet, was he took away Desmond Bain when Oklahoma State was starting to take make a run. They were played a little bit. They kind of switched between man and zone, mostly played man for the uh, majority of the game. But when it mattered and TCU took a little bit of a lead, Oklahoma State, they were kind of going back and forth there at the beginning of the second half. Isaac Likely matched up on Desmond Bain and it completely took him away. And from that point on, Oklahoma State was able to neutralize TCU's offense, and they were able to start and once they started knocking down shots, they were able to build that lead. And by that time it became insurmountable. And so I don't think we can talk enough about how good Isaac Likely was. The other dude that deserves a ton of credit tonight is D Mitchell. Stepping up, Avery Anderson didn't play tonight. We don't know why, Uh, but D Mitchell played 17 minutes. He didn't take a shot, but he got a rebound and an assist, a couple in a steal, and he was plus 18, which was a game high for everybody on the floor. So he deserves a ton of credit for stepping in where he really has played sparingly. He started a couple games, or even when he started, he didn't play a lot. But for a guy like that to come on and play the way he did tells me there's still a ton of fight in this team, and they're still going to find a way to win a game or two here down the stretch.
1: This confirms what we already thought, which is, A, this team, while fans may be growing – a little sour on Boynton the team has not given up on on Boynton in any way shape or form like I understand some fans are frustrated with what's going on and the way the last two season season and a half has really been um, but this team has not given up on him this team is still completely bought in on their head coach and the coaching staff and look I mean this is not meant as a like toot my own horn thing I thought this was the game they would win this felt and has felt for a while like this is a game they should win. They shouldn't have lost to TCU in Fort Worth, especially not the way they did. They just couldn't. This is that was back on the stretch where they couldn't hit a shot to save their lives. They couldn't hit it. Could put the ball in the water from a boat in the ocean. Okay, um, TCU is not that good. And credit to Likely, you know, you shut down Desmond Bain. You're going to beat TCU, and that's and that's what they did. Look, I, this isn't. Don't take this game as a sign of great things are to come. You know, you could you can look at it optimistically and say they finally got a win they're two and two in their last four um but you've got baylor on saturday on the road (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: um
1: when you look at the rest of the conference schedule and i just let's enjoy this let's say that okay let's enjoy this win to everybody who was there you know free tickets to get in um i saw lots of people on twitter who are like hey i've got tickets if you can go go i know the reason arena was pretty empty and and part of that's the way the team's playing and part of that is the weather Um, if you get to go to this one congrats that's awesome i hope you enjoyed it uh this felt like a win um but we need to enjoy it because if you look at the schedule the rest of the way there's not a ton more opportunities left you you've got kansas state twice they're not great um i don't trust osu to win in manhattan but you get them at home near the end of the season um you get texas tech at home go to west virginia you get oklahoma at home you get iowa state at home so i do think osu can still win a few more games here Um, i'd pick them to beat iowa state at home i'd pick them to beat kansas state at home and i'll go ahead and say even though i think oklahoma is going to finish as probably the fifth place team in the big 12 i'll pick them to beat oklahoma at home just because it's bedlam and i I don't know that this team can win road games, but I'm pretty sure if they continue to play like they did last night, to some or tonight, like some extent, they could beat some subpar and mediocre teams at home. So,
0: yeah, I think I, I don't think this is necessarily one of those a sign of things to come or the lights going to switch on and they're going to go and rattle off eight or nine in a row. It's just not going to happen. Just with the way how stacked this conference is and the way the schedule stacks up, it's not going to be that way. But at least we can take away some positives from a game along with a win. Like we're not trying to search for too much of you know what we can expect from the rest of this team after a loss like we've had to do for what seems like the last month and a half. So, to be able to talk about a win, talk about positives from the win and what we can expect moving forward, it feels good for now. I'm proud of this team. Uh, I this is this is one they, they needed one so damn badly. Obviously, you know they beat mm-hmm. uh, they beat Texas A&M on the road, which is a great win um, if you want to call it that. But to to go and get a road win in College Station, we'll take that at this point. Take any win at this point, right? So
1: yeah, I'll also say this: if you wanna if you wanna play um, at this point, OSU's job is to play spoiler. Uh, yep. So. Relish in the fact that unless TCU goes on a hell of a run, this might have been the nail in the coffin of their NCAA tournament hopes. Because right now, folks, OSU, lost OSU is really not a good thing on the resume. It's not great. It's not. It's um, not. So you you really don't if you're the rest of the Big Twelve, you don't want to lose to OSU right now, who's now you know one and eight in conference play. I just. Uh, I think we just have to accept that this is just not a good team and they're not going to be a good team the rest of the year. I think they're going to get some wins. I think we've seen the worst of this team. That doesn't mean we won't see bad losses. You know, going to Waco on Saturday, that's probably going to angle be pretty, folks. Like, they might get blown out. But that's because Baylor's <laughs> this is the best team in the country, arguably, easily. But I think, I think we could say that Potentially the worst is behind this team as far as how bad this team is going to actually be. Um, it's why I think I look at the schedule and go, okay, looking at how they played in Norman, looking at how they played against AM, looking at how they played against Kansas, looking at how they played on the road at Iowa State, and then tonight against TCU, I think I feel like I kind of know enough about this team to say they've got two or three wins left in them. I'm not going to put the number higher than that. Again, I think they will be all home games against teams like Oklahoma and Iowa State and Kansas. The other other teams at the bottom of the Big Twelve, and of course Oklahoma being a rival. So I, I think there's more W's here. And look for for Boynton. The lineup was kind of weird tonight. I'm glad. I hope Chris Harris is healthy. I hope he can come back and play. I would love to see him continue to grow and get more opportunity. Um I don't know what was up with Avery Anderson but I I'd, I'd like to see him continue I, I I'm it's very much a look to the future. I'm not going to say seniors it's time to sit on the bench for the rest of the season. I'm I'm not, not going to do that to Waters and Dizzy and and, and McGriff but I want to see I want to see the Boontons play. I want to see Chris Harris continue to play. I want to see Avery Anderson continue to play because those four guys are the ones I look at towards next year and go they they've got to be ready, ready to be impactful players like they've got to be um and the more the the more opportunities they can get this year i think the better off for for 2021
0: absolutely i think the boone twins they they didn't play a ton of minutes obviously uh, keelan went out for a little bit with a bum shoulder but he knocked down a couple shots caleb really provided a spark down low when anay got into foul trouble he got a few rebounds he played great defense knocked down a few shots as well underneath so I think we're starting to see some more from them. Obviously, I want to see Chris Harris because I really do like what he brings to this team, at least defensively. Offensively, he's going to come along just fine. If Avery can get back on the court, I like what I've seen from him. Um, I think this is one of the better games that and has played recently. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but he at least showed some signs of kind of getting back to what we saw last season, at least on the defensive end. Offensively, it's still been kind of hit or miss this year, but... I think his ability to hit, knock down some mid-range shots at least show some growth in his game, and he'll continue to get better. So I think, I think there's there are, still a bright, there are still bright spots on this team. There is still, I think, a lot of momentum going into next season, obviously with what's coming. But I think people are starting to see enough from the freshmen that and sophomores, I guess, that you still feel good about what Oklahoma State possibly could be next season.
1: Uh, uh, Shout out to Haley Hart. Um, If you don't follow her on on Twitter or don't follow her work, I'm covering Oklahoma State. Um, For the Ocala, you absolutely should. Uh, But uh, she tweeted out about five minutes ago. Coach Boynton says, Avery Anderson took a pretty big fall about a week and a half ago during practice. He says there's nothing – there's not anything structurally wrong with Anderson's lower back, but that is why Anderson didn't play tonight. So not disciplinary, just a – looking at a guy who may have injured himself being safe and making sure that he's, uh, he's okay moving forward. So that's, it's, it's good to know what's, what happened. Um, it's also, you know, we hope he, he recovers quickly and is, uh, is able to get back on the court soon.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I just checked Twitter while we were, uh, we were looking there and Oklahoma state basketball just put out the video of uh, Boynton in the locker room. And you know, they do like, they write the, the win number on the whiteboard and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, Mike Boynton had D. Mitchell do it. So I think that says, Oh, oh what he nice. Did tonight. Yeah. The statue, it says the uh, the statue doesn't always tell the whole story. D. Mitchell's tonight's MVP, which I think is Boom. pretty well learned.
1: Boom. Boom. I love it. I love
0: it. All right. Well, we got some football recruiting to talk about here with the late signing period today. Oklahoma State added a couple more guys to their class. Before we get into that, we'll be right back after a word from a sponsor. All right, Phillips. So early this morning, Oklahoma State added three more guys to their recruiting class. They added a JUCO quarterback, Ethan Bullock, uh, JUCO linebacker Lamont Bishop, who we talked about last week, and then Jabbar Muhammad, who's been committed for almost two years now. Uh, he finally signed his commitment out of Desoto, Texas. So with adding three guys, you have—I know you've been kind of keeping track of the scholarships here—is that put Oklahoma State at twenty-three or twenty-four on their uh, scholarship? Well, okay, right?
1: so. So here's the situation. situation. Oklahoma State, um, as far as official goes, Oklahoma State has 23. Um, that's that includes transfers, Colin Clay and Josh Sills. That does not include uh, Christian Holmes. Nothing has been official with Christian Holmes yet. That's not saying he's not. I, I, look, it's not saying he's not going to play. He's not going to be part of the team. I think everyone's kind of taking a conservative approach of we're, we're going to wait till there's something official saying outside of just a a Chupa Hubbard Instagram story saying that he's officially part of the team. So for now, um, let's operate under the idea that he will be part of the team, um, which would leave one remaining scholarship for this class. The roster size is enough that they can sign one more, and it will fit the 85 total limit um, and fit the 25 uh, class limit. Before we get to that, I, I do want to look at the, the guys that signed. Obviously, we have talked about Lamont Bishop a bit. Um, look, he OSU almost got a little bit lucky. This is a guy who who got injured. He he, he missed most of last season, so he wasn't a highly recruited guy. Um, I think they feel comfortable enough in his recovery and is a guy who I, I think is going to look at the guy who's got three years to play, too. I don't. I don't know that he's going to redshirt this season. I have a feeling he's going to play. You look at the linebacking core and you feel good because you have Amon back, you have Rodriguez back, you have Devin Harper, and you're getting Calvin Bundage. But you do have to ask the question, Calvin Bundage had a back injury. Is he 100%? Is he going to be 100%? How much is he going to be able to go this season? He's going to play, but having a guy like Lamont Bishop, who also coming off an injury but with experience, is just especially at that middle linebacker spot where he's probably going to play, is good. Especially considering... Everybody behind them are true freshmen and redshirt freshmen, so it's a very young group. Um, I, I'm I'm really happy with the Bishop signing. Uh, Jabbar Muhammad, I just say and and props to Adam Lunt because he he pointed this out on Twitter. It's very unusual to see guys be committed, choose not to sign in the early period stick it out, and still sign in the late one. Generally speaking, if you see someone who is committed and doesn't sign, it makes you nervous. You think something's on, uh, change is coming. He stuck by it. He just wanted to, to sign with his friends. He did. Uh, he's officially part of this class. I like him. I really do. I think he'll be a nice piece. I don't think he's an immediate impact guy. I think he's a, probably a, a red shirt. Maybe he sees the field a little bit, but he's a red shirt guy, even at a, at a position at corner where, you know, they're they're going to need help. Uh, Rodarius Williams obviously is back, but he's never had to be the guy before. Uh, I think Thomas Harper, assuming Christian Holmes is part of the roster, I still think Thomas Harper is probably the other starter across from Rodarius Williams. Uh, behind them, I think Holmes, I think DeMarco Jones is the guy to look at. I think of the three they have coming in, Muhammad could be. I really like Corey Black. I really do. Um, so corner is still a, a – I think is – still has a position group to keep an eye on and then obviously your last one i think is the one that you are most interested in and uh and that's your juco quarterback um that they signed Uh, ethan bullock pro style guy 6'4 200 at a city college in san francisco Uh,
0: what why are you so intrigued by bullock i want that's what i want to know so i'm in i'm not because i think he's going to come in and play obviously But I'm curious what this does to the quarterback room now. And you and I have talked about this a little bit off air. But obviously, if you're signing a Juco quarterback, it means you probably don't believe a lot in Brendan Costello. And you want to preserve Shane Illingworth's red shirt. I fully believe that Shane Illingworth could be quarterback two next year and be perfectly fine. He may not see the field, but I think that he is a good enough player to be that. But I think they're going to try and redshirt him as easily as they can. At least with Bullock, you have a guy that can come in and you can plug and play. He at least has experience uh, playing, you know, at least playing football at the collegiate level, even if it's junior college. So I, you at least have a capable backup there. But I think it's more to do with wanting to preserve Shane Illingworth for a year rather than uh, burn his redshirt if you absolutely have to.
1: Yeah, I, the other guy on the other scholarship guy on the roster is Brendan Costello. and I don't want to take shots at Brendan Costello. I haven't I haven't seen him in practice. I will note, um, Adam and Michael on the Tape Doesn't Lie podcast talked about him some before this last season uh, when they when they went to practice and and said that he was behind. Um, he's not, and and by bringing in a guy like this, it kind of tells you he, that the Castello is not as far along as they would like him to be. He's a redshirt freshman. He's still a young guy. He's only been in the system for for a year. So I don't know what this means for printing Costello. Uh, I think, but I do think this was a kind of a security blanket kind of situation. Uh, if you bring a guy who's got two years of eligibility, um, you, you assume you've got Sanders for at least one more year, probably two. So Bullock may never even play. But after this last season, you know, Spencer Sanders missed some games with, with a broken thumb after, or after thumb surgery. and um, you just want to make sure that you feel comfortable. Especially in a year like this, here's the here's the thing with a lot of the decisions you're seeing with with this re- the end of this recruiting class. 2020 is the year. Mm-hmm. They've been building toward this year. This is a chips all in, okay. Play the whole house like everything. This is this is it. You go all in on this season. There's no well, we're kind of looking to like bringing in Bishop. Yes, that benefits 2021 a lot, but that is also a 2020 move. Okay. bringing in guys like Josh Sills at, at offensive on the offensive tackle and bringing in, even with Colin Clay as, as, a, as a younger guy, that helps down the line. But some of these moves they've made have really been immediate impact moves. Like you're bringing in a corner, a grad transfer corner, because you look at the holes on the roster and go, this is what we need to do. You look at 2020 and say, do we feel that if Sanders were to go get injured and miss some time, do we feel that we wouldn't miss too much of a beat with the guys we have on the roster outside of him. 2020 is a year. Okay. We have to understand that for OSU now, it's not a, a 10 year, three year runs of 10 wins. is probably not going to happen. Like, I don't think we realize how impressive winning 10 games, three years in a row is because we expected more, which is maybe silly. This is a big year for OSU. And I think the moves that they're making here at the end are in, Entirely geared at we've got to do everything we can to put ourselves in a position to try and win the Big 12 this year.
0: Absolutely. And well, I
1: think... Yeah, go ahead.
0: I was saying, add in, if you add in Christian Holmes, if he ends up officially coming on, then you feel good there. They'll still have one spot left. Do you think yeah. they go wide receiver or do they maybe try and go another corner or maybe a, a transfer of some sort?
1: So I do think... look. Couple things about this class. Obviously, you didn't. You, you did bring in a running back. Zach Middleton is listed as a safety on on twenty four seven. and Everything else, he is going to be play running back in Oklahoma State. Um, I've, I've talked with Scott Wright of the Oklahoman quite a bit about this. He is going to play running back. So you you didn't add a what I would say is an immediate impact running back, but you added a running back in this class. Um, I don't think you're going to bring another one in. Unless they go find a transfer that they want to bring in, but I don't think this is a year where you use a scholarship like that, your last one on somebody who's going to sit out this year for the transfer and play down the line. You're just going to, have to worry about re- recruiting running backs in 2021, and so far, um, just just put a bug out. Cameron Valdez is a guy to keep an eye on, four-star guy who I like, and I, I has put OSU at the top of his list so far. But that's that's for forward. Like I said, it's 2020. You're going all in. you were all in on this season and trying to win the Big 12. So this last scholarship is going to get used to impact this season. Now, obviously, D. Anderson, former four-star wide receiver uh, and an LSU grad transfer, has been to, in Stillwater. He was there on on Monday for a visit. Um, that's a guy they're keeping an eye on. Wide receiver is a position group that you could look at bringing someone in. Obviously, you have you know. And Wolf, Tylen Wallace, Dylan Stoner all back. Uh, you've got Braden Johnson. Okay? Um, he's back. So you feel good at those four. Behind them, Langston Anderson. Uh, Casey Dunn said some nice things about him. Uh, Casey Dunn said some nice things about Matt, Matt Polk. I'm sorry, about uh, Rashad Owens. Um, Brendan Presley is a guy you're bringing in who could play inside receiver at, and is probably going to play as a true freshman wherever they can get him, whether that's kick return, punt return, somewhere on the field he's going to be out there. But you look at the wide receiver roster and you kind of say, okay, do we need a Jordan McRae this year? Do we need to just bring in somebody who is similar to bringing in Bullock Is a security blanket? Is there if we need them? Is there to make us feel good about this, like safe and secure? Um, I, I My theory on this last scholarship is don't expect it to be filled right away. I don't think it's going to be filled in the next week. I think this is something where they're going to get guys in here. They're going to talk with some different guys. They're going to they're going to meet with them, bring them to campus. But I, I get the feeling part of your problem is going to be if you bring in someone like DeAnderson, if DeAnderson wants to play, he's not going to get a ton of playing time at OSU. Not right now. Not next year. Not behind all these guys. So if I'm OSU... I want to go into spring ball and see what I have and see, because maybe there's an injury that happens in spring. Maybe there's another transfer that we don't see coming. Um, or maybe what always tends to happen is you get in and you go, okay, we thought we were good here, but really we could use one last piece just to, just to shore this position group up. I don't know what that is because you look across and you go, I feel pretty good about everybody. Um, Maybe they do need a second quarter. Maybe they decide that Thomas Harper isn't ready to, to start for a full season. I think he is, but I don't know. Maybe, you know, safety feels good. Corner feels all right. Linebacker's pretty solid. Defensive line is, is good. Offensive line, I feel confident. Um, Cowboy back, you've got Dayton Metcalf, Logan Carter, Jelani Woods. Um, you just brought in Quentin Stewart. I, I don't know. I don't know where the hole is and I don't think they do either outside of potentially wide receiver. So my guess is this is a scholarship that sits for a little while that they're going to gauge interest from some players and they're going to talk with some players and they're going to keep some guys kind of on the line. But I would wait and go into spring ball, figure out where you really have a need And then utilize that there to fill whatever your biggest remaining hole is. Because, again, it's all about 2020. So you need to do whatever you can to use the things you have available to make sure that this season is as good as it possibly can be.
0: Yeah, and if you look back at the grad transfers that they've gotten in the past, it's pretty much been after spring ball when they've gotten them. So Drew Brown... Uh, Jordan McRae, Lindsey Pipkins. I mean, Severin. We didn't really find out about it until like July, so yeah, th- it, it wouldn't surprise me if it, we don't find out until you know late March, early April of any sort of inclination of where they might go with it as they get into spring practice and things like that. So I, I don't think that's yeah. too far to the a normal possibility. I bet that's what we see more than you know a D Anderson committing and coming to Oklahoma State now. I, I just don't see that quite happening. I think it'd be is it is really great to get a wide receiver like that, but I don't sure. think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to end up getting a guy like a Jordan McCray, possibly from the G5 level, or a, maybe a lower power five, you know, that maybe, you know, realizes after spring ball that, you know, the writing's on the wall and he needs to go somewhere else. I think it'll be something like that.
1: I I'll say this. Um, Anderson was on the article that I put out that I listed some, some transfer wide receivers that I really liked. Um, he was on it. I do, I do like his potential and, and you know, he's, he's a Texas guy. So I believe he's from DeSoto and OSU has a pretty good pipeline from DeSoto. And um, I just, here, here, here's the thing to remember the, the late signing period runs from now through April 1st and, JUCO guys and high school guys have to sign at that period transfers are are entirely different There's no rule on when they have to sign They can sign in June. They can sign in May. They can sign in July if you really wanted to I think they'll want somebody in before then but with a transfer it, it's not bound by the signing period rules that high school and JUCO guys are so uh, To me, I mean, I'll just say it again. I think you you if they are positive that they need another wide receiver, then go go find the best one you can and bring them in, even if that means bumping Braden Johnson down again because they're better than Braden Johnson. I just, and that's not a shout-out Braden Johnson. I'm just saying do what you got to do to make this team as good as it possibly can for this season. Absolutely. And uh, my opinion is wait, because you may think you know what the holes are now, but you're going to figure things out in spring. Stuff happens. It's a long time until September heck it's a long time until the spring game in April. Like it's, it's not that long, but it's long enough that things can happen. And you want to make sure that you are sure that you're utilizing this last scholarship in the best place possible. So I don't know another spot that they desperately need help at right now. Um, I I just, I don't, I'm I'm my, there's always a position group that we feel is going to be good and doesn't turn out to be as good as we think. Um, It, I don't know what to pinpoint that as. Corner seems the most obvious. I would I would have to wonder if that's bringing the entire defensive line back, but it, I not to take a shot at them. It's not like they were a you know, top nationally big defensive line. Is there a guy you can bring in to solidify that group better? Is the O-line as ready as it's supposed to be. You've got a ton of depth. You have a ton of players on the offensive line. I'm not ki- like I have the roster sitting in front of me. The number of scholarship offensive linemen you're going to have is a lot. Now you plus cause you play five and, and it needs to be a deep, but you've got a lot. Is there a spot there that you maybe you do need some depth? Maybe you've brought a lot of guys in, but there's just not enough of them ready to go yet. I don't know. Maybe it is wide receiver. Maybe Langston Anderson isn't ready to go yet, which would be really disappointing. I, I think he will be. I don't know. And, I, and honestly, they know better than I do, but I have a feeling that even they aren't entirely sure where their holes are yet. Um, so uh, I hope they hang on to it and, and make sure that they're making exactly the right decision. And I, I don't think they'll rush into somebody, but I don't think there's any reason to rush into somebody unless you know you can bring somebody in who's just going to immediately make that that position group significantly better.
0: Right, I think waiting until after spring ball and after the spring game is probably ideal when you're trying to get just one last guy to round out your team and make it the best that it can be for what should be a really special season. So I'm interested to see where Oklahoma State goes with it because I think they can go in a lot of different directions, and I won't necessarily be upset if they go, you know, any position really. I just I feel good about where this team is at. You get Christian if Christian Holmes signs, then you feel really good about corner, and then it's just finding that one guy to fill that one spot that you really think solidifies this roster to a championship level, possibly. I,
1: I don't know if we talked about Holmes or not, but let me just say this. Holmes was on my list. Um, I, think, I, think I really we talked like about Holmes. Him last Holmes is a guy a that, that Missouri expected. Okay. He's a guy Missouri, people who cover Missouri thought would be a starter for Missouri next season. They need him to sign. And he has. Apparently he's, he's signed the, scholarship, the the application for scholarship. Let's put it this way. They need him to be on this roster next, next season and playing. Um, they need him to be here in the spring playing. They need to be, him to be here taking classes in the summer. They, they need him playing next season. They really do. Um, I just, I'll be honest. I, I, I combed through the list of cornerbacks on the transfer market. Over and over and over again And I'll be honest I'm very particular about what I look for I, The list ain't great It's a long list But it ain't a great list That's why I only put four that I liked on mine And one of them was a safety Who played corner in high school That you could convert back over I really like Christian Holmes I think he's a great fit um, If I'm OSU I'm, I'm, I would be talking to the other ones That are, that are options as well Just in case Corner is such an important position in the Big Twelve. That's the one group I look at and go, okay, we added one. Is that enough? Is is that is that gonna get us where we need to be for 2020? Because your look, your two deep would be Darius Williams, Thomas Harper, Christian Holmes, and Redshirt freshman DeMarco Jones, unless true freshman play, or you move somebody over to corner. That's it's a lot of youth to a position that's really important in a season that's really important. So, I, it, it's still the position group I'm the most concerned about for this season. So, uh, they need to make sure Holmes is here. Uh, honest to goodness.
0: Definitely. So, do you have any final thoughts on this episode? Anything, Philip?
1: Yeah, they better land two running backs in 2021. I'm going to beat Please. that drum until they finish the 21 class a year from now. Their priority had better be – I'm not kidding. You look at the roster. Their number one priority has to be running back. There's a lot of priorities for them. Of all the priorities, number one is running back. Number two is the linebacker. They have – to bring in two running backs. Right now, Cameron Valdez thinks Oklahoma State is his top choice. He's a four-star kid out of Rockdale, Texas. Um, he, If this kid likes you and you're his top choice, I don't care what you got to do outside of handing him a check. Get his ass to Oklahoma State. okay? Because one of these guys has to be an immediate impact. If he's your first and top guy, great. If you can get a guy better than him and him, awesome but you better land two and one of them better be playing on Saturdays in 2021 because he deserves to. Okay? I that that is the drum I'm going to beat. That's the drum every fan needs to be beating. That's the thing you look at and if it's a position group where they're struggling in 2021, that's when you go, "Hey guys, we have got a problem." Because if they can't land two impact guys, and I don't want to Low rate three stars, maybe one will pan out. I want three. I want two good running backs in twenty twenty one. They better make it happen.
0: Yeah, it needs to, to not have a true running back in this class is definitely a problem. Um, thankfully, Chuba Hubbard coming back is like we talked about last week. is probably the best recruiting thing that could have happened for Oklahoma State this season. If you didn't have him, you were really sol. Thankfully, you have the one of the best running backs in the country for you in twenty twenty as a buffer. And then 2021, you desperately need somebody. And I agree. I think two guys would be uh, – that, that's where they have to go for this one. They, they have yep. to. You have to have a lot of guys in that room ready to go. Like I,
1: You're not going to – look, let's be blunt. You have offered the number one, number two, number four-ranked running back. They're not coming, okay? But if you can land a, four, a couple of four-stars, if you can get him and a Brandon Candle or him and, and even three-star Devin Neal, I'm going to feel good. But you've got eight offers right now. I don't want you to have thirty, but you better start you better make that the focus. Okay. And then it's linebacker because like I think about this. You'll lose Calvin Bundage, you lose Amon, you lose Devin Harper, you lose Rodriguez. Behind them is Lamont Bishop for another year. You'll have two sophomores that year. And it's just it let me put it this way. The reason twenty twenty is a big year is you have a lot of seniors ready to play. After 2020, you're going to be young at a lot of spots, a lot of spots. Safety will be good. (laughs) You're going to have a bunch of seniors and juniors at safety, but you're going to have a lot of positions where you are going to be very young. 2020 has got to be a big year. Um, I don't want to overblow my expectations for it, but 2020 is a, a big year. And I think this is what Oklahoma State is going to be now. It's going to be a, a program, and I know we don't like it, but deal with it. Um, you should make a bowl game every year, and every two to three years you have a 2020 where the stars have aligned, the roster has aligned, things are looking really good, and you've got to go for everything you can get. That's this season. Yeah. Also, baseball starts
0: next week. Baseball does start next week, and that's where I'm going to go. We're going to get re- baseball guests. Yeah, we're, we're going to get baseball guests on next week to preview the season. Uh, before we do that, we actually did have one question on Twitter uh, regarding the baseball team, obviously talking about Robin Ventura, uh, Brian Metcalf, run of the podcast. He asked us, uh, haven't met, read much into it, but what <laughs> is Ventura's role as the student manager with the baseball team? Please tell me it's not boxing. Oof. <laughs> uh Metcast, uh, let me just
1: let me just say this i enjoy uh, i he i enjoy him on twitter he's he's fun um look i'm pumped for baseball season if you're not pumped for baseball season i don't know what to t- okay by the way saw so, shout out softball season starts like this weekend so yeah. get pumped for that too like oh oh i Here's my pitch for the softball season. This team is more talented than last year, but I'm not. I don't know if they're as good of a team as last year. Makes sense. If that makes I sense, I, and I can see that. Last yeah. year's team had such good chemistry, such good chemistry, and that is such a hard thing to replicate. I think this team is at a lot of positions more talented than last year's. We'll just be curious to see if this team can can try and and become as good of a team as last year's was.
0: Right, and I think we need to get a softball guest on here as well, just so that we can kind of get a little bit of a feel for the team, uh, more than just reading some outside stuff. Uh, but to answer Brian's question about uh, what uh, Robin Ventura is going to be doing for the team, he is a technically he is designated as a student assistant. Which is essentially he is a he's basically he's just an assistant coach. That's all it is. You'll see this every once in a while where a guy uh, will play for a couple years, but it just doesn't quite pan out. But they want him still to be on the staff, and so he technically is on a like a scholarship of sorts and is a coach. So that's essentially Robin Ventura. Is a, he is essentially a, just a student coach. So you have Josh Holiday, Matt Holiday, Robin Ventura, and Rob Walton as your coaching staff and uh, a couple and Vic Romero as well, like Roland and Roland fan. Like that is the best, one of the best staffs in the country right there. Like your hitting coaches are Robin freaking Ventura and Matt holiday. I mean, if that
1: doesn't win you some games, nothing will
0: yeah, I know. Like that, that's It's going to be huge what this team is going to do and what that means. And it is really interesting to see all, a lot of guys that have actually kind of gone back and that have either uh, retired from Major League Baseball or been out of the game for a while that are going back as volunteer assistants or student assistants. Uh, Troy Tulewitsky, uh retired from Major League Baseball this past year, and he's going back to his alma mater, Texas, and is going to be a volunteer assistant. So he's doing what Matt Holiday's is doing right now because you can only have three official uh, assistant coaches which is the dumbest thing that baseball, that college baseball has to do? Two dumb things. You only have two.
1: I thought it was you, two. You can thought, have two. Wait, wait, wait. Well, three I thought coaches. You only have two assistants.
0: Well, th- like I, I was counting a head coach in there, so head coach and then two assistants. And okay, okay, can, okay. And then you can, and then eleven point seven scholarships, which is just stupid. Like point. That's
1: why the pitch is to have a third, add a third paid uh, assistant coach. And yeah, uh, also that's why there's a really good podcast, uh, college baseball podcast called 11.7.
0: Exactly. But yeah, no, it, it's really exciting. What, uh, what I think Robin mature yeah. is going to bring to this team. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, I think it makes it made me even more excited for baseball season than I already was. I think this team is gonna be really good. They lost a lot from that team last season, but I think they were able to replenish it really well. I think pitching is gonna be really consistent. They're going to hit. They're not going to hit for as many home runs, but I think they're going to hit a lot more consistently for average, get on base a lot more, which is going to I think bode well, especially with the style of baseball that Josh Holiday likes to play. So it's going to be a good team. I don't. They're going to be right up there with Texas Tech competing for the Big Twelve title. Like they're they're going to be that good this season.
1: Good. They should be.
0: Especially with the new stadium opening, hey, I think there, there, there is a ton of excitement going into this season. And I, I really think this team is going to be a ton of fun to watch. So if you need something dealing with, uh, you know, kind of the football team kind of underachieving in spots and basketball being the way it is, like wrap around the rally around the softball and baseball teams that are coming up here in a few weeks because they're going to be a ton of fun to watch. And they're going to be really, really good playing for uh, college world series. Yep. Nope. Uh, they've already, uh, Baseball America put out their first
1: like baseball bracketology of the season, and had Oklahoma State as the uh, number the sixteen seed regional host. So, well, expectations that. are good. Are good, yes. and I am. I excited. Also, the uh, all the uh, televised games is out, and while OSU's – what is have three national televised games, three three games on ESPN. Obviously gonna be a ton on ESPN plus. So if you don't have ESPN plus yet, I know it's not the best, but folks, it's better than watching the game on YouTube, on OSU YouTube with one channel. Like you can watch a lot of OSU baseball this year. I'm going to. I think you would enjoy it as well.
0: Absolutely. All right, Philip, I think that wraps it up for this week. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter?
1: Follow me personally at OKTXARPoke. Uh, you can also follow my show, the 1012 Podcast, TE, and the number 12, the word podcast. We have a Big 12 uh, recruiting episode going up Thursday. OSU is one of the teams that I have a guest on to discuss. Uh, some. Yes
0: follow me at J.T. Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Let me plug some of my other stuff real quick. My other uh, baseball, one of my other baseball websites that I work for, Royals Farm Report. Run the podcast over there. We have a couple fantastic interviews that went up this past week and this week. We had one with, if you're a Kansas City Royals fan, Brad Keller ace of the Royals pitching staff he sat down with uh, Alex Duvall and I for about 45 minutes it was a fantastic interview really great guy really funny guy kind of get inside the mind of a big league pitcher and we also had an interview that went up on Tuesday uh, with Mikey Morrison he is the general manager of the rookie ball affiliate for the Royals the Burlington Royals in North Carolina they are one of the 42 teams that Major League Baseball has looked at at Possibly taking away their affiliation. So talk about the importance of baseball in that community and the communities uh, throughout uh, the country where baseball could be taken away. So definitely uh, give that a listen. It's a little bit of an eye opener as to uh, to what go- what is kind of going on in minor league baseball right now. Well, I think that does it for this episode. We will be back next week, like Philip and I, like Philip and I said, we're going to talk some uh, cowboy baseball, hopefully a little bit of cowgirl softball, and we'll be able to preview the seasons coming up here. And we'll talk to you all then.